Episode 34 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. Danny, let me just start off, man, by telling you it feels weird. I feel like I just got back from a huge and exciting vacation because I have a suitcase full of stuff to unpack from four days of NBA back to back to back to back. What an amazing four days. Probably the best four days we've had in four or five months. I would completely agree. It's funny that one of the most apropos tweets that I saw was somebody saying this is like NBA meets March Madness. And I, I mean, that's just true. When you watch college basketball, when March Madness comes around, yeah, you know, you got to siphon through a couple of one through 16 games. You know, you got to watch a couple 30 point beatdowns and maybe hope that there's, you know, another George Mason or Florida Gulf Coast that comes through. But when we're talking NBA games, the way that they've done this, bringing 22 teams back, granted, there are probably a couple teams who should not have been, been invited back, but 22 teams, the best 22 teams. And they have scheduled the beginning of the bubble unbelievably well. I mean, every game has implications. Every single game. I'm loving every second of this. And I tweeted just right before we got on live. It's crazy to me that every single day we can wake up and look at the schedule of games and say there is at least three watchable games with serious playoff implications. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know when the next off day of being focused on every game is going to be, but I'm not looking forward to it because waking up every single morning, I mean, it feels like summer's never going to end. I mean, this is going to go through October. I mean, for me, this is the summer that, that we deserve. This is the stretch of time and the excitement that we have deserved from the last however many months and weeks of suffering through replays and all these different things. This is what it's all about. And I mean, we were excited before and four days in, I mean, my excitement levels probably tripled. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, NBA playoff time. And this time I just counted as playoffs as an extended playoffs. I mean, oh, my mind is going, there's so many games, <laughs> so many things, like you said, full suitcases, right? But man, what a start. What a start. Um, I mean, you could not have asked for anything more, I think, especially Thursday night. And let's, you know, let's get right into it. Jazz Pelicans first game. And one thing that I was looking for, and I think everybody was, even though there have been reports, oh, it's, it's fine. But that relationship we mentioned with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, how is that going to look? It looked okay. The Jazz ended up winning that game. They came back, beat the Pelicans. And I honestly get chills even saying it. How weird was it? that Rudy Gobert scored the first bucket of the restart and scored the two game-winning free throws to seal the deal at the end. That was crazy enough in itself. I mean, talk about a guy who, like, ever, everything he's been through, the skepticism he's been through, the you know tumultuous relationship that I'm sure he's still dealing with with Donovan and the rest of the team. I, I did kind of chuckle. I got to be honest. It's kind of that, that irony of the NBA. He, kind, he more or less, you know, a lot of people in their heads say he ended – the NBA back in March, you know, with the way he acted, obviously that's not true, but you know, we all know what happened there. So for him to come back, get the opening layup and then basically clutch the game himself. I mean, we all know how great of a defender he is and the impact he made on that game the whole way through. I mean, good to see that. It's good to see. However, that there wasn't much to take from that game in my opinion. No. I mean, I don't know about you, but that watching the beginning of that scared me. I mean, I was watching it. And I'm like, this is what the NBA restart is going to look like. I mean, we, we had been saying it was going to be a slow start. We had been saying that. That's one thing. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that people also need to realize that because we talked about that last night and we'll get into last night, of course, as we move forward. But people have to realize this is essentially a new season. I mean, it mm -hmm. really is the whole thing, a whole new game, the NBA's new mo uh, motto. It is a whole new game. This is not normal. These guys have not played in four months. And you know, with any sport, especially if you don't pick up a tennis racket for four months and then you go and play a televised match, you're going to look rusty. It's, it's natural. It's, it's, you know, they're human beings. So I think that, yeah, there wasn't a lot to unpack from that game, but let's be fair. The rust was being knocked off and I think they knocked it off, you know, to a good degree in order to, in order to move forward. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And the one, I mean, the takeaway for me in that game was the guy I was expecting to see. And that was Zion. I mean, I was expecting to see, and I know that they were talking about limits, restriction, and getting back in shape. 
But golly, I mean, did I feel catfished by that picture that they released of him in the weight room, sleeveless hoodie on, looking jacked. I mean, I was thinking like, man, Zion's about to come back to playing 30 minutes a game. I mean, I mean, should I have ex- expected that? Uh, whatever. But I was excited to see it back. And, and you think about the beginning of the year, right? Way back on opening day, like everybody was thinking about Zion. He didn't play. He was injured. He missed yeah. the beginning of the year. And it's like, oh, man, this is what the Pelicans are going to be without Zion. Oh, here we go. And then you come back in this game, and Zion, I mean, he played. But that wasn't the Zion that was averaging 23 points on, like, 25 no. minutes. That wasn't that guy. No. And that's tough to watch. In my opinion, watching that game and watching them somehow lose that game to a Jazz team who, like, let's just be real, they didn't look great. I mean, we've been skeptical of the Jazz, at least I have been, for a very long time. And that was not a good Jazz performance. And the Jazz didn't exactly prove us wrong with their next performance either. So the Pelicans losing that game for me, my thought was, Zion's clearly not fit, clearly not healthy. Oh, my god, He's got a lot to work on. I mean, I don't even want to get deep into it like poor Skip and Shannon did on him. I mean, the poor guy was getting just ripped apart by those two. Um, but the Pelicans are out. They're, for me, they're out. They're out of the running. Uh, for me, the Jazz are out of the running to really compete in that division. I think both of these teams, if they get into the playoffs, are first-round losers, and that's just my feeling after watching one game. And I know what you're saying. Don't take everything so serious and don't take these as the final results. But I just didn't see much like yeah. we did in that late game. I mean, in the later right. game, they struggled. But you saw why. You saw where the obvious holes were. When I watched the Jazz Pelicans, I just thought the holes are simply in the fact that these are inexperienced young players on both sides with not real big game experience, not much big game experience. And that's going to be a telling factor in the rest of this bubble. I don't want to dwell too much on this game because it was probably one of the lowest games in terms of quality the whole weekend. But yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it later about Zion. But uh, moving forward to the Clippers-Lakers game, I mean, wow, that was better than advertised, if that's even possible, with the Lakers coming out winning. And LeBron had a lackluster game. Let's be honest. Let's call it for what it is. But AD, and to me, I'm going to say this, Danny, Anthony Davis should be second in MVP voting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not taking away from LeBron. I'm not going to take away his greatness because that's just not right. But he showed if he's on that team – is unbeatable. There have been games this season where LeBron has done his thing, but if AD isn't on his game, they're very vulnerable. They are, and that's just the honest opinion that I have. And I think Chris Broussard said it best on Fox Sports 1 the other day. He mentioned Giannis is the MVP, which is a whole other, you know, that's one thing. But he pretty much said, when you look at an MVP, you do not look at their entire resume. You look at the one season, close everything else off. So he's basically saying, cut off the talk about the 17th year, wash King, all this. I mean, come on, call it for what it is. It's one season. LeBron is not doing anything better than Giannis, but assists, you know, and stats don't lie. And that's why I think AD, honestly, I think he should be above LeBron, but I know that's a hot take. I may get reamed for that considering how good Goat James has been this year. Uh, But that was just my take, but the Clippers, I mean, even without full strength, they played right to the very end and, LeBron did come up and make the two plays that were needed. That one, you know, uh, off the offensive rebound, scoring that ball with, you know, only six, seven seconds left. And then clamping Kawhi and PG, he's got flashes. And it's just not fair. He could just turn it on and turn it right off whenever he wants. And I'm glad – and it's funny. I'm glad that you mentioned that at the end of that because I think that's something that needs to be said. Because it's overshadowed. When we talk about MVP voting, I mean – the amount of importance that I feel that that has in what we're watching, like by watching who's the most dominant guy, who's the most valuable player, who's going to take home that award. I feel like it's just not that important considering I think we had an idea that Giannis might run away with this simply because of what he puts up on a, just a daily basis. I mean, on a night in night out, he gives you a ridiculous stat line, right? Ridiculous stat line. And one thing that you did say there that I somewhat agree with most of the time with most players but not always is the stats never lie, right? And in theory, that's a silly thing to say because what you see on the, on the stat sheet is what happened. Like the, those are the stats that are what happened. But then you said the stats never lie. And then you went on to say, but LeBron clamping down on Kawhi and Paul George ended up being really what sealed the end of that game. 
And that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And that's another thing where you talk about Anthony Davis's impact. His, his impact is majority of the time felt in the first three quarters. I mean, Anthony Davis in the first three quarters is one of the best players in the league. I mean, I, I think when you're talking about first three quarters, it's Giannis and Anthony Davis. Am I taking away from what they do in the fourth quarter? No, I mean, we could talk about that later and, and debate that because Anthony Davis in this, this particular fourth quarter was completely outshadowed by LeBron. I mean, co- completely. The first three quarters, he kept them close. I mean, granted, eight, they, you know, the Clippers looked like they were going to run away. AD comes out in that third quarter, hits three threes. Okay, the Lakers are back in the game. So I can absolutely agree with what you're saying. But this, for me, spotlighted what I've been saying all year long, that the Lakers-Clippers games come down to AD and LeBron versus Kawhi and Paul George. The, the role players, in my opinion, more or less even each other out. And I know what a lot of people are going to say when they hear that. What do you mean? Montrezl Harrell, Lou Will, both not playing. Those are big impact players. I agree. I agree that they are big impact players. But the Lakers also have impact players that are role players who didn't play great in that game and have not been playing great since the restart. And I think when Paul George plays like this, I mean, when Paul George plays like he did in that game and the game after, I mean, Paul George right now looks like he'd never got the break. I mean, he never, he looks like what four months? He's like, what, what are you talking about? You forgot who I was type of thing. And Kawhi, we know what Kawhi is, but in that game, I mean, it was a close, close game. And it came down to LeBron has upped his level of intensity in on-ball defense dramatically. And that's what makes the Lakers so dangerous, in my opinion, because when you have AD down, affecting shots, deflecting balls, getting in pathways, and LeBron playing the best defense of his career right now, I mean, the best defense of his career, he makes Kawhi look a little bit less impactful on that game. And that's just for me, whether they both played great, because I don't think either team played, Either team played their best. We all know that was not LeBron's best performance on the offensive end whatsoever. I mean, we, we all know that. We all see that. But when Kawhi drops 30, Paul George drops 30, how much is really left for Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell, in my opinion? Because when both of those guys are dropping 30, 30-plus, 30 it's not like Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell are each also dropping 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that typically doesn't happen. It's typically right. like if one of them falls off, Lou Will and Harold kind of pick it up. The problem right now in that game and what scares me a little bit watching that game for the Lakers is in terms of three-point production, they didn't shoot that badly in that game. Like, it, they were missing some open threes, but it wasn't, like, awful. I mean, granted, Deion Waiters won a six. I don't like that. But Kuzma played all right. The thing is – most Kuzma. inconsistent guy on – oh, my gosh. Exactly, right? That's right. not the guy that you're banking on 18 points a game. You can bank on it with Lou Will and Montrez. The Clippers know what's coming with them, and when they come back, you know what you're going to see. With the Lakers, you need to see it from people other than Kyle Kuzma because when he's on the court too long, I mean, the problems begin to happen. It needs to be with the Deion Waiters. It needs to be with, you know, KCP needs to be in there. Danny Green needs to be knocking down shots. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sakes, if those guys don't show up, the Clippers are dangerous. But this game just showed me these are the teams. In my opinion, those are the guys in the West. Those are the teams. It, because it shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be a question, a question. because you, you said it, and we'll get into those games, but you talked about the Lakers playing Toronto the next game. It's that Clippers hangover. When those two teams play That's each other. That's a real thing. When those two teams play each other, trademark, when those two teams play each other, it's a different level of intensity on the defensive end. There was not one other game that's happened so far that has been that intense on the defensive end. Possession on possession. I mean, like crazy. And that for me just showed these are the teams. We can pick and choose things from other teams. And there's another team that we'll obviously get into after last night. But these are the teams for me. They're top to bottom the best, top to bottom defensively sound. And that was just an unbelievable game, like you said. All that to say exactly what you said at the beginning. That game was better than we thought it would be. It was, and that's kind of crazy to say. But for me, to get the last word real quick on this Clippers-Lakers game, I think that, you know, you mentioned, of course, it is up to Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, we know that. LeBron and AD, of course. That's the two-on-two battle, in a way, without even, you know, including all the other guys. But the reason why Lou Will and Montrez are so important, those minutes were – LeBron and AD aren't on the court, and Lou Will and Montrez are good enough to be a starting five in a starting five in any other team in the league. They are. So when you have Lou Will and Montrez going against that second unit, it continues to create that gap 
where the Lakers then have to play catch up. That's why, and I'm telling you, if they had, if they would have had Lou Will out there sometimes besides, you know, Landry Shamit or Reggie Jackson, Lou Will would have bailed them out on a ton of possessions that wouldn't have required them to have that moment. I know you could play the what if game all you want, but you know, it's, it's, there's no reason it's not, how, how can I say this? It's no coincidence that Lou Will and Montrez are neck and neck for six men of the year because they're that impactful. Uh, but moving forward to Friday's games, there wasn't really a ton to unpack besides the last two. Grizzlies Blazers came in earlier in the day. Grizzlies blew that game. Uh, the Blazers outscored Memphis by eight in the fourth and overtime to win an, or the fourth and overtime to win that game. And the Celtics and Bucks. I was so excited to see what Giannis and the Bucks had in store without their starting point guard Eric Bledsoe, without Pat Connaughton. Uh, Jason Tatum probably had his worst game as a Celtic. Let's be honest. Two of 18. Um, Giannis had his game. Brooke Lopez came up huge, which I mentioned in one of the articles that I actually got to write that Brooke Lopez is, I think one of our biggest X factors moving forward. Uh, and then Rockets Mavs. I mean, for the Rockets to win that game in OT, they were trailing by seven with 50 seconds left. Harden had 49, Russ had 31, 11 and eight. We'll get into it, but I want to go ahead and just say right now for the start, my sleeper pick, which is what I told Danny, just for the listeners and viewers, my sleeper finals pick, sleeper. Sleeper is not Clippers-Raptors. That's not sleeper. you got to go a little bit deeper. My sleeper pick is Celtics and Rockets. And I know we've gone back and forth, but now do you see where I'm coming from when it comes to the Rockets? If they get hot, they proved it Friday, and they proved it last night, I think they can beat anybody. They can. Let's be real. They can. Your your question was, do you see what I'm saying? And the answer is yes. I would be silly to say I don't see what you're saying. But both of those games, let's just call it what it is. The Celtics were being beaten around by the Bucs for the majority of that game. The problem with the Celtics and why they look good in this game is because when Giannis is not playing, the Bucs look dramatically less dominant than they do with him on the court. And that happened to be the time, exactly the time, when Marcus Smart got hot, when Jalen Brown started to get hot, because the Bucks' identity kind of tends to unravel a little bit, not a crazy amount. They can still stay in games. And the problem is when you've got Giannis who just, I mean, Giannis is what he is. He dominates the ball and dominated that fourth quarter. Because let's let Giannis doesn't dominate that fourth quarter and drop 16. I mean, it's a closer game, right? That, that's, a, yeah. that, that's even closer than what it was. And there were some questionable, to say the least, calls that went the way of Giannis towards the end of that game that kept him in the game to continue to control the ball to run that game out. But when Jason Tatum scores five points, five, two of 18, and the problem is we've been saying this. It's Tatum. Tatum is what drives that team. He's got to play well. He has to play well because Jalen Brown played well. Marcus Smart played great. Thice has got, given them great minutes. I mean, like these dudes are giving them good minutes. Enos Cantor can kind of help, you know, keep Giannis just from dunking on every possession. You know, like him being in there can help a little bit. But like Giannis dropping 16 in a fourth quarter, like for me, the Celtics, what can they do to stop that? Like, it's not like they're missing some big center that is going to be the guy to affect the game. No, no, no. Giannis is going to do this to them. And that's why I never thought, and, you, and you've heard me say it, I never thought the Celtics were the team to beat them because that's not how you beat the Bucs. You do not just outplay them. You're not going to get away without playing them and get a bucket at the end. Like, that, you, that's not how it's going to be. you got to have a strategy that combats their strategy. And I think – in that game, and the one person I want to bring up for the Bucs, and I'll bring it up again after watching them last night, where is that number two guy in, in Milwaukee when the fourth quarter comes around? Where does that guy go? Because that dude needs to be there. He, he has to be. I mean, you have to agree with me. I, and I get it. You know, not having Bledsoe, not having Pat Connaughton, like that's big, especially when you talk about defense. Like that, that's also big there. But come on, man. Chris Middleton had three points in the fourth quarter, two consecutive games. This can't happen. This can't happen because you see what happened. Giannis dropped 16 in this game, and they scraped it out with a couple of close calls, Giannis, you know, going the way, and a couple guys, I mean, Tatum being cold the whole damn game. 
when you go to the next game that the Bucs played, Middleton has three again. But this time, Giannis only had six points in the fourth quarter, not 16. And you see what happens. They can let guys back in. Chris, I can't take anything away from Giannis. I mean, Giannis is like waking up in the morning and, and, you know, as tired as he may look at the end of the game, sometimes they have to take him out, give him a break. He comes back in, goes 110%. He always gives you what he says he's going to give you. He always gives you that. Middleton can't say the same. Yeah, I think that Middleton, he hit the shot that he needed to hit against Boston. He hit a shot to put them up. Yes. uh, And that's really all that they needed. But you're right, though. I mean, that's the that's the one thing that's holding them down and it's weird because you look at chris middleton he could be one of five players in the last what 40 years to get 50 40 90 yep uh you look at what he's done over the course of his career how he's improved being an all-star this year for the second time uh you look at what he did last night against houston in the first three quarters but that darn fourth quarter and i'm not going to say that it doesn't worry me but again, to reiterate what I've said, this is the Bucks' second game back. So, you know, there were a lot of moments where, okay, yeah, you know, they, they definitely blew that game. I'm not going to shy away from that. But, um, you know, Giannis can't do it himself every night. I mean, that's the thing. Even if it's not Middleton, and that's why I was going to get into it, the Lakers Clippers, those role players have got to step up. I mean, there have got to be shots made. And Brooke Lopez, I hate that we wasted that game last night. He had 23-12, and 12, looked phenomenal. I was losing my mind as a basketball mind. Brooke Lopez was catching the ball every single time they would throw it to him in the paint on the block. Danny, if he would have took his, taken his right foot and just spun around, he could have scored every single time, and he kept going towards the middle. I know how tempting that is, playing, being that I played in the post in high school. I get it. But, dude, take a, right, a little right foot, step around, bring, bring the ball around, and he's right here. Dunk every single not, time. Not to mention he's doing that against – the smallest team exactly in the NBA. That, that's why i was losing my mind he had guys like pj tucker who is a you know good defensive player but dude i mean the guy's six five come on and then james yeah. harden russell westbrook robert covington i mean come on those were those are buckets that had to have been made and they weren't made and the bucks lost that game but um you're right i mean chris middleton's got to show up he has to and i was talking about this last night with one of my friends you know Giannis has showed time in and time or game in and game out that he's going to improve if he has 36 he's not going to sit there and say i got 36 he's going to say how can i get 38 how can i get 40 and he's done that his whole career you look at the playoffs every year Giannis didn't make the playoffs i believe until 2015 first round exit after first round exit then conference finals and then a lot and you know now it's like where do you go from here you don't think that he's going to make those adjustments you know i get that you bring up the raptor series okay yeah he was he had to go one on five but now I hope that I'm just hoping that that trust will be instilled in his perimeter guys, whether it's Chris, whether it's Kyle Korver, DiVincenzo, Bloodsoe when he gets back, Brooke Lopez running around the you know corner to corner. Hopefully he's just going to trust them to make the plays because he can't do it himself. And the play he made last night with, you know, 10 seconds left, throwing that ball away was just an example. At the same time though, he's, he was trusting his teammates, but he just made the wrong pass. So I think that's a step in the right direction and again, it was a regular season game. So you can read as much as you want into it, but that's just that's just how the tables return. But um, getting into Saturday, ESPN quadruple header, phenomenal. Heat Nuggets, that wasn't even a game. A lot of these games were blowouts, which kind of hurt me because Thursday, Friday, you're like, wow, all of these close games. And then Saturday comes, you're like, geez, these teams <laughs> are winning by 20 every night. Uh, Heat Nuggets, that was a blowout. Thunder blew out the Jazz in the rematch of that COVID game, so that gave me the chills. Uh, Clippers-Pelicans was terrible uh, because the Clippers hit 25 threes. Pacers-Sixers, woof, wow. That game should have been on ESPN. I mean, TJ Warren, new nickname, cash consideration, man. I mean, for him to be traded from Phoenix, imagine what Phoenix could be doing right now if they had TJ Warren. I'm not saying that he's going to average 50 a night, but come on. To trade him for cash, that was funny. (laughs) That was funny. And then Raptors, Lakers, I didn't even realize how much of a dog Kyle Lowry was until that night. Forgive me for saying that as an NBA fan. But another example, too, the Bucks, you know, they're, they're looking to come out of the East, but they're not going to have it easy. So what did you take away from Saturday, all those five games? It's funny. I had, a lot, I had a lot of takeaways from this game. And one of the takeaways was Miami and Denver – I kind of want to throw that game out a little bit just because Denver was missing a lot of guys, right? Sure. I mean, they were missing Jamal Murray, Will Barton, 
and I believe Gary Harris as Gary well. Harris. Yep. Those, I mean, they're they're missing like their whole backcourt. Like, you know, what I mean, that that's kind of tough to to really consider them. What I do want to consider with Miami is one thing we talked about before we went live, and that's something that's very important when you do what we do in podcasting, when you watch the NBA, is you cannot just continue to not appreciate guys because you're not a because they're not flashy, right? You mentioned Kyle Lowry, and one guy that I have never been like, oh my goodness, throwing my hands up in the air. This guy's the second coming of blah, 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 blah. Is Bam Adebayo, right? You've been telling me this whole yes. time. He's the most improved player. I still think it's between him and Brandon Ingram. But what it's Bam him. does, what Bam does when he's on the court is is pretty great. I mean, you know, what people are all, all Montrez Harrell does this for the Clippers and, you know, blah, 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 and the pick and roll and the rebounds and the plays good defense. Like Bam does that. As a starter, like Bam does that when you know it's coming. Like, and more athletic, too. And more athletic. And yeah. to see what he did in that game, how he shot over 50%, nine rebounds, and six assists. Like, that's big. He's finding the right guy. And when you're in Miami and you look at that roster, there's so many three-point shooters, so many jump threats, so many athletes on that team. He has to make the right play to then see Jimmy Butler go over 50%. Kendrick Nunn go over 50%. Duncan Robinson go over 50%. Jay Crowder go over 50%. That was oh Kelly Olynyk off the bench. If he plays Where anywhere, did that come from? That good, if he plays anywhere near that good, I get what everybody's saying when they talk about Miami being more of a dark horse than Boston. And we've been going back and forth over this. I mean, the whole break. Is it Boston? Is it Miami? That that type of style is more of a threat. And I, I, granted, we've said this a thousand times already. We'll say it a lot more. These first couple games don't mean nearly as much as the first playoff series and when they face each other. I get it. But Miami gets way more production off the bench than Boston. I mean – and it's both sides of the court, in my opinion. I mean, when you got Drogic off the bench, and we forget about Iggy. Iggy's working himself into shape. You cannot forget about him if he starts getting minutes. And that's the thing, because, you know, when you talk about the, the threats on certain teams, wings, big guys, there's a handful of guys in the East that you even talk about being able to maybe, even as a tandem, give Giannis a problem. And we all know that the Milwaukee right now is the – they're the standard, right? So you're basically playing to beat them. Mm-hmm. I don't think, personally, that when you can put Bam, Jimmy, and Iggy off the bench in certain moments to kind of play like double defense on Giannis. And yeah, you're going to have to probably leave someone open. But at what point are we just going to say that's how you beat Milwaukee? Because last night, Giannis got his. I mean, like, you can't really do anything on, about that. I mean, you even think about last year. When, Mil- when Milwaukee played Toronto, they're 2-0 up and a shot to go 3-0 up. So it's not like Giannis was getting shut down. Don't, don't remind like me that. of that series. That, I'm that so, one will haunt I, me for a while. I know. But what I'm saying is, like, that's how you have to – in my opinion, that's the best way to beat them. And that's why I continue to nauseatingly bring up Philly because they've got big bodies that they just put underneath and say, you got to play like the Rockets, Milwaukee, to beat us. We're not letting Giannis get 15 layups because – that, that's not the way to win. That You can't do that. You can't play half court against them and then hope Giannis doesn't get a step on you in transition because he will. And I think watching Miami play, granted it was against a Denver team, but they played against a big Denver team, right? You got to keep up with that size in Denver. Yeah, you're and right. They and they put guys around, and I thought that's where Miami is dangerous. So that was my takeaway from that game. That was a lot in that game, obviously. But the one other big takeaway I took from that game was Toronto, just like you mentioned. And I'll let you get into your complete thing. But, you know, the rest of these games, I'm not bringing up the Sixers and Pacers. That was one of the most frustrating games to watch because the Sixers were straight up the better team in that game. And anybody who wants to debate me, for me, that's crazy. They were the better team. TJ Warren was by far the best player on the court that day, that day. But let's not just throw away what Joel Embiid did in that game. Are we not going to talk about Ben Simmons and Shake Milton on the side arguing and then Joel Embiid arguing? The chemistry, man. Chemistry is huge. You need I'm not, when I'm talking about the play, like the play, and I grant that that's okay. big when it comes to championship winning because you're not, not going to compete right. for whatever. But TJ Warren, we're banking on him to score 50 a game for, for them to stay competitive with Philly? No. Come on. No. Like, of that's where not. that game for me, it's like Joel and being 40 and 20, thumbs up. TJ Warren, 50. 
thumbs up. But if you don't nullify those guys back down to normal, I, I just think Philly is the better team in that game. I truly believe that. But this is also with an Oladipo who's working himself in. That's another thing you have to take from that game. But Lakers-Raptors, right? That's a team, the Raptors, that we've been talking about, that everybody has been talking about almost by not talking about them. It's weird to say, but it's like you don't really talk about Toronto because from the beginning of the year, everybody thought, well, I mean, Kawhi carried them to the championship, so it doesn't matter. I had absolutely fallen into that trap, and I had clearly not watched them enough because that is a team where they're not flashy. There's no individual dude who's going to go for 50 like TJ Warren. I mean, Kyle Lowry, is he going to consistently give you that type of performance? No. But is he a feisty guy? Does he make the right play? Does he consistently take the right charge? I mean, a young guy like that, or I'm sorry, young, small guy like that getting that many rebounds as a point guard? I mean, Kyle Lowry is straight up a dog. You said it right. He's a dog. And they play some of the best team defense in the NBA. Team defense. Fully committing, you know, switching with full commitment to the cause. They're not like unbelievably great on ball defending like each guy, like where you have a Kawhi and, you know, guys like this LeBron, you know, bodying guys down, but team defense. And that's where the Lakers are susceptible because if they don't shoot well, like they didn't in that game, and you have a guy like Danny Green who makes zero points in that game, Toronto's going to bust you up because they're just long, right? When you've got OG, Pascal, Serge, Gasol down low. I mean, that's a legit threat. And you've got guys who make big shots. Lowry's been making big shots. We know Fred can make big shots. And Pascal's one of the best right now in the East. That, that team is a problem. I mean, you're right. That team is a problem. And granted, the Lakers didn't have their best game at all. And like you've been saying, people are finding their feet. And LeBron, you know, you talk about an MVP voting, you got to throw out 18th season. But when we're talking about recovering from a four-month break, That's you got to bring that into account. You right. have to bring that into account, and he's finding his rhythm. But what he is doing is playing great defense. So that I want to do take I want to take that from that game. LeBron's playing the best defense of his career, but more so than anything, the Raptors are a problem. They're a they problem are. in that East. They are, and I think that that's fair. And I've said that before. I think that this break, to be honest with you, I think it hurt LeBron more than it helped him. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I get that you know he has been you know eight straight finals, whatever. But you also have to think they didn't make the playoffs last year. He got to recover. So you had yep. that and then adding that in, but also kind of just killing the momentum and then making him pick back up and go 110% back into the last eight games. I think it hurt him more, but, um, but yeah, I mean, literally everything you said was spot on. I think the heat are interesting only because I'm going to bring it up after I go through Sunday slate, but uh, I really, really loved what the Clippers did to start that game against the Pelicans. And it shows you that there is Clippers hangover for the Lakers, but there was not a, Lakers hangover from the for the Clippers there wasn't I mean I get that the Pelicans were a lot less of an opponent than Toronto let's be real but Clippers came out and played and Paul George man there have been questions about PG and I hope we don't have the same thing with playoff PG you know he's not going to show up I really hope he does George Paul (laughs) (laughs) always two guys a guy with the with two names or his first and last name can be both first names that always weirds me out it's funny Uh, but um but yeah, Paul George looked great. Uh, the Raptors-Lakers game was amazing, only because I, I just loved seeing the overall just chemistry of that team. And I think one thing too, I saw one a couple of plays from OG and Anobi. I'm not gonna lie to you. I know it may be getting ahead of myself. That's a young Iggy, the way he plays. Oh my gosh! I mean, I said literally the exact words last night. I'm I telling you, exact words last I'm night. I'm telling you the way he was going up and down the court, three and D, literally. He – I am glad that he didn't play last year against Milwaukee because they might have beat us in five if that would have happened, or four. I'm telling you. I mean, he is a Swiss Army knife that's going to be very lethal once the playoffs come around. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time on Saturday because Sunday gave us three great games. Blazers, Celtics, Jason Tatum with 34, came back strong. Quick disclaimer, I think the Bucks are now the first team in NBA history to make a guy play so poorly, he goes and shaves his head. He got a haircut, and he scored 34. The Bucks made him play so bad that he went and got a fresh cut. He went and got a haircut. That's funny. The Spurs-Grizzlies game was also very tight. I'm not sure if you tuned into that, but DeMar DeRozan hit a game winner with a second left. 
Memphis blew yet another lead. Memphis might slide out of that eight, eight spot, but it's kind of hard because New Orleans is not a threat in my opinion right now. Portland, you mentioned it too, the most inconsistent team right now. They could come, they could not. I mean, maybe San Antonio somehow climbs their way in. I'm not sure. That that race for eighth and ninth is going to be really interesting. We can get into it more. And then Bucks rockets of course, the nightcap. The Bucks were up by eight with three minutes to go. I was sitting there jumping up and down. Oh, this is great. And then I look up and I'm like, wow, we're, we're losing <laughs> in a matter of moments. And Giannis with that final turnover, how, how can you describe Sunday night to cap off this incredible four-day stretch, Danny? Well, first of all, Sunday was, it was a great day. Probably my personal favorite day of games to watch, if I'm being honest. I mean, because I think the Celtics-Blazers game told us a lot about both teams because they had a game under their belt, right? They both played, you know, relatively tough games. So we get to see how they would respond. And seeing Tatum do that, granted, after a haircut, I mean, that, that for me, that, that doesn't say a great sign, right? You know, LeBron switches his shoes at halftime. Don't cut your hair. I he mean, went and cut We talk about having the courage of your convictions, right? Like, how, if you're going to come back with that ridiculous haircut, you better ride that thing out, right? Don't play <laughs> one bad game and then be like, all right, Samson style and just take it all off. And help. But he cut his hair off and he got his power back. But, however, the things people see, right? You know, you look at the stats. Stats don't lie. He had a much better game. But can you talk? Can you tell me just from watching that game? Because you watch that game, right? You you watch that. I Celtics did. Blazers game. Who was guarding Jason Tatum the majority of the game? Go ahead and say it. I mean, Damian Lillard was was on. I mean, they're switching in with CJ McCollum. I mean, occasionally, God forbid, Carmelo got stuck guarding Jason Tatum. Oh, I mean, if that's the three headed forty four, that's the three headed monster that you're gonna have guarding a wing like Jason Tatum. Of course he's going to go off. For me, this is exactly how, you know, Nurkic went off, right? Nurkic goes off in a game like that because who's banging with Nurkic down low for Boston? Besides I, Tice. I, I, like, I, mean, I like Tice, but you're not hanging with Nurkic. on Cantor, Nurkic. maybe. Uh, I mean, can we talk about Nurkic? Is, he's such a weird threat because he does. He is. I like Harden, his game. He does the James Harden swoop move. From the three-point line, like this dude's gonna pull up from twenty-eight and bang on people. I like and his. Falling for it. He's imagine, a, imagine if Portland had him last year. Completely agree. Against completely you guys. Agree. I mean, I mean do, they, do they win the series? No. But maybe go it, five or six. Not gonna exactly. lie. Exactly. But Nurkic is kind of funny as it sounds, right? Nurkic is kind of like Jokic. Like he, he's got that complete game. Moves a little slow motion, but he's so big for their team. Because mm-hmm. what has Damian Lillard always been? Right. We know what he is expert closer. I mean, it's tough not to really call him maybe the best closer in the NBA. I mean, when it comes down to big shot, end of the game, like that dude's lethal. But the beginning of the games, he just kind of finds his rhythm. He's a little loose. He kind of plays whatever. And that game for me was a tough game, but it's like the Celtics aren't going to win the East by beating a team like Portland. And Portland isn't going to like make a big move in the West by beating a team like Boston, right? So it's kind of like I appreciated that game in itself because it was good quality, but, like, I didn't get much from that game. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just – if you feel the same way or you don't, please please step in. But I just watched that game, and I thought, like, this is a great game to watch. It's just very visually appealing. But, like, Celtics were dominating that game, and then Portland just shoots their way back in, and then – Celtics looked like a little susceptible. I mean, thank God for Jalen Brown. I mean, right? I mean, because Marcus Smart went from like a I was hero say. Yeah. to zero. Nothing. And Literally. thank God Tatum came back. It's like, well, those dudes kind of nullified each other. But thank God Jalen Brown's always there. And I tweeted. I, I, you probably saw my tweet. I was like, Jalen Brown is so tough. I mean, he's becoming one of my favorite guys to watch. He is ruthless on the defensive end. They play good team defense as well. But, you know, he's ruthless. And then he's a savage. When it comes down to making, taking, taking and making big shots, right? It's one thing to take them. But it's another thing to make them, and he consistently makes them. He, 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 for me, is one of the guys that is – and I said this to Nick. You remember I responded to Nick Robertson, our guy on Twitter. I said, listen, Tatum needs to be good. He needs to be. But Jalen Brown is so big for them. He and is. that showed up in this game. Because in, in my opinion, if Jalen Brown doesn't come up big, we're not even talking about Tatum's performance nearly as much as we are right now because they got the win. Yeah. I mean, I think that Jalen Brown, 
he's right there when you talk about borderline. Very, very big difference maker for a team. Absolutely. And I think he showed that. I get that it was against an inconsistent team, but you got to remember what the Blazers literally did a year ago with yep. essentially the same guys. So that's what Without I kind of have in my mind. Yep. Right, exactly. So uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, I think he's a top 20 player in the league, no question. And I think in a few years he might be top six, seven if he continues to progress and get some more playoff experience. Let's not forget this guy went seven games with the Cavs in, what, 2017? LeBron's last year in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why another reason why I think that Boston is so sneaky, because who would have thought that team with no Kyrie, no Gordon Hayward would have gone to the conference finals. I know there was that Giannis wasn't what he is right now, but they went to the conference finals and they about got to the finals had it yep. not been for LeBron and his heroics. But there was a lot to read into on Sunday. I think, again, like I mentioned, the Spurs might be the team that come out of the West in the eight or nine spot. I'm not going to lie. As much as I'd love to see John Morant, because I love watching that guy play, he doesn't get enough. Ta- he doesn't get enough attention. I mean, he does not at all. Not trying to take anything away from Zion. God knows how much I, you know, adore watching him play. But John Morant is is box office. I mean, he is phenomenal, and he does not get nearly the respect. I mean, that Memphis team, the front office to get John and Brandon Clark in the same draft. They win. I think they might win executive of the year if Memphis somehow gets into the playoffs because, wow, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen getting minutes. I mean, th- that team is that team's exciting. So I hope that they can figure it out these next, you know, six games. And then Bucks Rockets. I mean, what, you know, what can you expect? Houston shot friggin' 61 threes. It was painful to watch. I think that at one point I was telling my dad, my mom last night watching, Jeff Green may have had five straight wide open threes because Brooke Lopez also, okay, this is another thing. You know, when you listen to a podcast and you can either speed it up to 1.5 or slow it down to 0.5, Brooke plays 0.5. I mean, he (laughs) runs, he runs, he shoots, he blocks shots slow-mo. I mean, my goodness, that dude needs just a slap in the back when he's on defense to just move. That one possession last year, I want to say, when LeBron shoved Kuzma for help side on defense, like they need to shove Brooke out there on the perimeter because he can play on offense out there. But defense, that's that's the liability that I hate when he's not in the paint. Um, but, yeah, I think it capped it off. I want to get into the takeaways because there's a lot. One, going back to what Aaron Rodgers said, R-E-L-A-X, relax. For all of these takes, we're saying. Just yeah. to put it out there. Especially with the Bucks, because the Bucks got slandered, of course, on Twitter last night. And I'm sitting there like reading, you know, I understand that they lost that game. It was a national tele, you know, nationally televised game. Everybody got to see it. Again, relax. Uh, again, this is why Houston, just to reiterate, is my sleeper pick because when they get hot and when they get going, it's hard to even just stay running up and down the floor with them because they play so small. They play five out. Very tough to guard. Memphis might slide out of eight, and that is also very concerning. And Zion, I've never, I've never said it because I've always gone away from what the people usually say. Guy's got to lose some weight. I mean, he just he looks uncomfortable. He doesn't look like him, his old self. When he was in high school, when he was at Duke, when he was at Duke, he was what pushing two eighty, and he looked yeah. great. He's just got to he's got to reconstruct. I think that they need to miss the playoffs. They need to. If they even somehow make it into that nine nine seed, I hope Memphis just wins that first playing game, gets him out, because he needs this summer to lose some weight, to restructure his body, and see what happens from there. My last takeaway, and I want to get your take on this too, because I'm looking at the standings. If the season were to end today, and this may happen, he, the Heat play Indiana in the first round, that 4-5. And we've said, and I know you've said, the Heat are the sleeper team in the East. What are the Heat going to look like if they potentially have to go seven games with a tough, gritty Pacers team that might have Victor Oladipo playing like his old self, Brogdon, Miles Turner down low, Demata Sabonis, TJ Warren? I mean, really, though, what could the Heat look like after that series is my big question to you. When I look at that series, and, and one thing I'm very excited about before I get into what I think of that series is the fact that we will see that game twice in five days in the next, mm-hmm. in the next week. That, right. those two games, I'm telling our listeners now, viewers, watch those two games. 
okay? Because that's a matchup of contrast of styles in of sorts, right? Like, I don't think Indiana's quite trying to shoot as many three balls and drive and dish as much as Miami is, right? Like, that's kind of their style. But TJ Warren in that last game, right, went crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. But we've seen when they play Miami, he goes crazy in a completely different way because Jimmy Butler has climbed up under his skin just as he has into Jimmy Butler's. But we know when Jimmy plays angry, it tends to work in his favor. Clearly, when T.J. Warren played like, and then gets into it, he tends to fall out of relevance in the game. And even in that last game that we saw, he got ejected from the game. So it's like T.J. Warren has to keep himself under wraps for that series because you know Miami's got guys. Like Miami's got guys who can play. And that's where that Indiana team, for me, needs Victor Oladipo to be, I mean, if not at full strength, very close. And the thing is, we're talking about those two games are going to be big. Granted, does it really matter who's the four or the five? No, because just the color of the court's really going to change and the fake fans, like, I get it. I don't think that's really doing much, right? But those two games are going to be important because it's going to set a precedent for that series. And I truly do believe that Miami is a better team than them. You heard me just say on this podcast, I think Philadelphia is a better team than them. And I would not be surprised if Philadelphia ends up taking the five spot from Indiana simply because I think Miami could potentially beat Indiana twice just to kind of try and send them a message towards the end. And what if Philly sneaks in there? Because I've been telling you, I don't mind. Philly going against Miami, would I rather them go against Boston because of their lack of size underneath? Yes, but I do not think Miami's catching Boston. I think, truly, that's the only switch I can see in the East right now. Do I care about Orlando, Brooklyn? Absolutely not. Them being 7-8 does nothing for me. Both of them are getting swept. But Philly and Indy could switch, and that could be a bigger effect than what you're asking. I know you asked, you know, what will that next series look like with Miami, Indiana? My counter to that is I think it will be Miami, Philly. And I think that series in itself will take more out of both of those teams and right. kind of end up giving uh, Milwaukee a better chance in that semi to roll through, I would say, in probably five games. Do I That's, think Philly has a better chance? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you're you. Fine. Do I think Philly has a better chance against Milwaukee? I've been saying it forever, right? And I'm not going to turn my thoughts on it because of one 50-point TJ Warren performance in a couple bubble games. I do think Philly gives them a tough game, a tough series. But if they have to go play Miami and it goes six or more, which, I mean, I would have to be remiss to say it wouldn't. And if it wouldn't, it would probably be in Miami's favor, right? That's going to take a lot out of them to go play Milwaukee. And Philly gets tired. Like, they get tired. They're so big, they get tired. I think Milwaukee might not want Miami-Indiana because I could see Miami winning that series easier than they win the Philly series, giving a Milwaukee an easier route. Because you know right now, if you look and you do switch that, Toronto having to play potentially Boston or Indiana in the semis right before Milwaukee, that's a tough ask, right? Because I think Toronto-Boston would be one hell of a series. Um, but this, you know, go back on what you were saying. I do think Philly ends up getting that five spot, and then that series takes more out of them, and Milwaukee ends up walking to the Eastern Conference Finals even easier than they would the way it sits right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that you said it best. I was going to just interject, and, and you already hit the point. If it's Heat Pacers or Heat Sixers, I think the Heat, if they do come out of those series, because there, there's a chance the Heat could lose in the first round. Yep. And when you look at matchups, when you throw guys like Bam, Iggy, Jimmy on, onto Giannis, that's a team that can cause problems matchup-wise. They did in the regular season, how they threw Bam yep. at him. So if the Heat are out, I would say that that's even better. I mean, hey, if, if you bring us Philly after you knock off, you know, Miami, sure. That's fine because I have no problem with Philly in my mind, the way the, the way Milwaukee's constructed. So it's tough because you've got to look at it. That three, four, five, six, any of those teams in there can make the conference finals. I think one through six, you could really make a case for any team. And it's weird because you look at this, you look at the East, you look at the West. I'm not saying the East is better than the West by any stretch, but when you talk about championship or like, you know, conference final cases, I don't think you can make a case for more than four or five teams for the West as you can for the East. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Sixers. That's six. Okay, Lakers, Clippers, obviously. The Nuggets, yes. The Rockets, yes. You and I both think that Utah is kind of eh right now. Maybe the Thunder. 
definitely not the Mavericks or Grizzlies because they'd have to face the Lakers or Clippers in the first round. So this might be the first time in a while the East is not the least. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I mean, I, I, de- I can definitely agree with your saying in terms of getting to a conference finals and even potentially getting to the NBA finals. There are more teams in the East, but still even after watching these games, if I talk about teams who are my favorites to win the entire NBA finals, I still give the three on the West, the ones you mentioned, LA, LA, Houston. I give them more of a chance than any team outside of Milwaukee to win the championship. And that's after watching Toronto just beat the Lakers. That's after watching you know, Boston beat the team who just made it to the Western Conference Finals the year before. I just see those three teams having more championship pedigree, so to speak, than I do Toronto. Granted, we, you mentioned OG, right? I think that's somebody that people have overlooked a little bit. And I think you can't. Any, you just can't anymore. No. Because when you talk about Kawhi leaving, and I saw that stat talking about their record through 65 games the last three years, it's damn near the same. Without yeah. Kawhi, with Kawhi, without Kawhi, it's the same. Nick Nurse is clearly doing something right. He clearly loves having those long wings, guys to throw around, and the team plays, right? The team plays as a team. As simple as that sounds, a lot of teams don't do that. A lot of teams don't play as a team. But the one thing, you know, the one takeaway, you know, just looking at, the teams in the West right now, I think you hit it dead on when you talk about that top four today, like waking up this morning. Now it's the top four. I believe that's exactly what the top four is. I would maybe even put Houston into that three, which I predict close. they get. And me and Josh were talking about this yesterday watching. We we're like, you know, Josh was like, oh man, if they lose this game, there's a potential they drop, right? They, they drop even further. Now, all of a sudden as a Laker fan, you're like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 Denver, you drop. Let Houston let, let Houston get to the three. Imagine because Houston, Lake- Oklahoma City first round. Yes, and I do think Utah Ooh. ends up falling out. I could see it, but I see Houston beating out Denver. I mean, you got to get Denver going again because yeah. that game against Miami, granted, like I said, they, they had their whole backcourt gone, but Miami just looked like a better team. I mean, like a much, much better team. And Denver's young. They're young. They're long. Like, we, we know it. They're deep. I mean, they've got so many guys. That they are were, went away last year from the conference finals. So Exactly, right? No. But I still think Houston is the third best team and the third biggest threat in that. And if you can keep them away from the Lakers, I, I get it, man. I get what people say, oh, LeBron, this. But even look at the beginning of the regular season that we just ended months ago. The beginning was not where the Lakers were, like, thriving. They had to work their way in. They got better and better and better, started playing together as a team, started, you know, separating themselves from the pack. And the Clippers, as the season went, fell apart just a little. I mean, just a little. The identity started to crack a little bit. Beverly starting to not get fourth quarter minutes because Doc doesn't trust him. And then, you know, if Lou doesn't go quick, that's, that's how that regular season went. Right. And right now, after two games, you might say, well, the Clippers have the rub on the Lakers a little bit right now because that was a close game. And then they just played amazing the next game and the Lakers fell apart. What is that? I just think that's how those teams are. And I think the Lakers got to find their rhythm. I think they played great. They played fine defense, in my opinion, in both games. So that's that's not where the struggle is. The struggle is offense. And that's going to come. I mean, Shannon said it this morning. Like, they're missing so many open shots. LeBron has more assist creation now than he, do, than he did before the break. Guys just got to hit shots. I mean, you know, you look at LeBron. Yeah, his numbers are down right now. Yeah, but they missed nine wide-open threes on passes from him against the Raptors. So, Houston right now, for me, if they can get that three spot, and, you know, the, the way it looks right now, I think it will end up being Lakers, Clippers, Houston, Denver, OKC, Utah, Dallas, and I do end up thinking Memphis makes it. I know you were saying it could end up being the Spurs. I do think Memphis makes it. I was looking at the kind of the schedules between Memphis and Spurs. They're all the same, right? It's and all the same. It's just Portland's right there too. So they could sneak into that nine spot. That's all that absolutely. matters at this point. And that's at the end of the day, it's, I believe hundred percent, it's going to come down to the play in series, right? Like it's yep. going to end up being that they're all too close. The East is already done right with that, but the West is going to have the play in series. And if it comes down to Memphis and San Antonio, like youth versus experience, that's going to be a heck of a championship pedigree coach, right? Like that's going to be a good contrast. I mean, in my opinion, they're playing the, the play-in series to get beaten four or five games. I mean, maximum five games, but to get in, it's a a trip to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if you look at it like that, 
I think Houston versus Utah is not a series the way Houston's playing right now. Because I'd still, still right now, even after Houston winning two games, they should have lost both games. I mean, both of those games, they should have lost. I mean, Dallas, it looks as though this is their identity, which is unfortunate because we see how unbelievably special Luka is. But their identity is Luka, Kristaps, and whoever wants to give us 15 points and then everyone else. Because it's, sometimes it's Hardaway, sometimes it's Seth Curry. But, like, if Seth Curry right now is your third option, like, I love Seth. He's getting a lot better. But if that's your consistent third option, that ain't trouble. enough. Right, You're that ain't enough. So that for me right now is not a series with L.A. because L.A. matches up relatively well with uh, Dallas in terms of Dallas doesn't have, you know, a circle of guys to go through, and L.A.C. does. And what you were talking about earlier I thought was dead on. Lou Williams and Montrez on the second team, you know, the second. It's that second team, unit that, that's going to be key in the playoffs, yep. That's, that beats – and that's why I say Lakers and Clippers, right, because their second units are so dangerous. So, 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 so dangerous. And I think that is not a series. I really don't. I think 1-8, 2-7, 3-6, and that way would not be a series. And if it ends up being De- Denver and OKC, if they go six games, which I would probably assume they would, OKC is a sneaky team, you know, that they play as a unit as well. They're kind of Toronto-ish to me, where they're, they're not, nobody's flashing right now. But it's I like, like that OKC They team. play well, right? They play well together. Shy, CP, Gallinari, Adams underneath. You know, and I love their, you know, their kind of role guys, Diallo, you know, guys like this, like they play, right? They play as a team, but they don't have enough weapons to beat LA. And in my opinion, neither does Denver. Like, and that's where I think LA gets that. And that's why I've been saying it because I assumed that's what would happen. That's what it would end up being. And LAC would just have a tougher road to get there. Because would you rather play Dallas and then Houston? Would you rather play Memphis or San Antonio and then OKC? Right? That's a big deal. That ends up being a big deal, especially considering the schedule right now. They're playing game after game after game after game after game. If, if, you know, LeBron can get a sweep and then get 2-0 up in the second round or whatever, and then they start to kind of ease off a little bit and prepare them for that finals, those little things, right? It's the margins. And I think that's why the playoff series are going to be so tough, so tight in both divisions. Or I'm sorry, in both conferences. It's going to end up being a matter of what team is fresher into the finals. I think that's such a big deal, and I think that's what we'll end up seeing. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about after a couple of games, and that's the most fun about it. But we're going to know more after the first playoff series. I truly believe that. I think then we're going to be able to make these set decisions of what is these teams' identities, who's playing well, who's not, who's got their feet under them, who's got their rhythm, because by then there's no excuse. By the end of August, there's no excuse anymore, right? you you got to be ready to go. If you're not ready, you're not going to be. And that's where we'll be able to tell. But, you know, early season, early restart, early bubble speculation is, I mean, come on. It's It's one of the most fun things about this restart. And thank God that it's worked because without this, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, <laughs> occupying my time. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's going to do it because we don't want to get too far into things because like you said, we've got six games remaining really overall at the playoffs. We can have a lot more debates as the days go on. But um, one final thing, we're at home right now. I'm at home. You're at home. Shouldn't the Wizards be at home too? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Why is I'm, Washington there? You've got to end with that low of a blow. I right? had I mean, to, come Danny. On. You I mean, have to do it. You, but the, the problem is, right, you give a low blow to the Wizards fan base, which, like, I don't know how much they exist anymore. Like, I don't hear from them. You don't see them. But you know what's another fan base that I hear? One guy. There's just one guy that we know who continues to talk on behalf of another team and another fan base that absolutely should be home as well. And that is the Sacramento Kings. What are they ah. doing? What are they still doing there? Sorry, Sam. I'm sorry. I don't want to do it to you. I don't want to be the guy to say it. But there are just too many teams. There's just that's too many. Too many. I as mean, soon as you Phoenix, lose to – I know you're repping Devin Booker today, but – That's my boy. They, that's the King Light Skin, baby. What, I got to rep him. Why are big they dubs. there? Big why dubs. are they there? Well, they just beat Dallas. Okay, but what are they – they're not going to get to the nine spot. All right, but yeah, but Suns are, are, are in my opinion – they're just the swaggiest team. You know what I mean? I, I don't, They're the I don't swaggiest like, team? The guys, not the play. Let's not get into oh, their gosh. play. When you t- Devin Booker, come on, King Light. Yeah, Kelly Oubre, you're right. Where is Oubre at also? He's hurt. He, he didn't Come on, it. Kelly. Like, you, I, know. I, I at least look forward to his league fit and his walk and his tunnel walk. You know, give me something. I love Aiton. Granted, do I think he's the next coming of freaking Moses Malone and stuff like everybody's saying? 
I don't know, but you know, that's a team I I can watch. Rubio makes plays. Like I can Okay, kind of, all right, that's fair. But yeah, Washington no Sacramento. I saw a video. Washington. I mean, can we just Joel- can we send Orlando and Brooklyn home while we're at it? Let's just give Milwaukee and Toronto nice little buy. First round buy. This is give them a buy. It, it, it's going to be a buy. Right? Yeah. So You're right. let's just send them home as well. Let's send Sacramento, Phoenix. They can go play some scrimmages with Golden State. And let's just let's just move on to uh, to the to the real money teams. That's the plan. Hey, I mean, I saw a video of John Wall working out yesterday. Looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. Come back next year, Bradley Beal as well. I don't know. I mean, they're they're right they're right at the bottom. They could they replace could Brooklyn in the eighth spot. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Well, there ain't going to be no Brooklyn in the eighth spot next year. You're right. (laughs) Orlando, what's going to happen with them? Philly, are they going to break up anytime soon? I hope so. It's going to be interesting. Uh, But that's going to do it. Episode 34 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. Don't forget to check us out on Anchor, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want. All we care is that you're listening and tuning in. Don't go anywhere, though, for this week because we're going to have more NBA action coming at you fast as the restart goes on. Peace. See you guys.